Hi, everybody. Dick Vitale. Hey, make sure you listen, man, to Lockdown Blue Devils with J.J. Jackson. He's awesome, baby. You are Locked On Blue Devils, your daily podcast on the Duke Blue Devils, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Locked On Blue Devils podcast. My name is J.J. Jackson. It's so great to have you here with us on this Tuesday, May 2nd. 2023. Hope that you're doing well out there wherever you're listening to us. Lockdown Blue Devils, of course, a daily podcast devoted to everything going on in the life of Duke Athletics. If you haven't done so already, please leave us a five-star rating and review on your preferred podcast platform and make sure you subscribe to our podcast feed. Also watch the show daily on YouTube each and every day. Hit that subscribe button. Your support means the absolute world to us here at Lockdown Blue Devils. Follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Blue Devils and follow me on Twitter at underscore JJ underscore Jackson underscore. On today's show, really excited to do an end-of-season review for Dreek Whitehead and Derek Lively II. What to expect from those players at the next level is how we'll wrap up our conversation today. Our guest, of course, being my very good friend Kevin Connolly, the site expert for Ball Durham. So end-of-year review series continues here today. Unlocked on Blue Devils, and one of my very good pals, Kevin, joins us here on the show today. Kev, hope you're doing well, my friend. I am, JJ. How about you? I can't complain. I can't complain. Anytime we're talking about Duke basketball, I'm going to be in a good mood. And anytime we're talking about uh, one-and-done players for Duke, uh, I'm okay with this because it's become the norm, right? You asked me a decade ago, it still stings a little bit after players ultimately make the decision to leave after one season. But big picture with these two guys we're discussing today, uh, Derek Whitehead and Derek Lively II, they're finished with Duke basketball after one season in Durham. Yeah, I think that was the expectation coming in, especially when you have um, high school prospects listed. I think they ended up being one and three um, in the country. You expect them to move on after one season, and, and that's what's happening with these two. And it was a, a bit of a rocky ride to get from opening day to, uh, unfortunately, the end of the season. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about the year that was for both of these guys. And we'll start first with the big fella himself, Derek Lively II, and the season that he had at Duke. Uh, I asked you last week when we took a look at the guards together, Kevin, just big picture, first and foremost, your overall takeaway from Derek Lively's season for John Shire's team. Well, I think the the theme of this conversation is going to be roller coaster. And I think Derek Lively uh, maybe had a smoother ride in terms of his roller coaster than Derek Whitehead. Um, <laughs> but you look, he had that calf strain in the preseason, um, missed a large bulk of training camp and scrimmages and all that, and came back shortly after the season started. And, um, I mean, we talked about it here in this very program. And it was like, can Derek Lively perform at a high level at this level of basketball and obviously he could like that was it was still all working his way back um but again I I think it ended up being a really productive season for Derek Lively and he was able to showcase two professional teams what he can do specifically on the defensive side of the ball yeah no doubt about that I mean you look at his numbers again we're doing this uh for folks to see it on YouTube but in our podcast platform 34 games played for Derek Lively the second so only missed two games despite mm-hmm. all those uh, injuries or those days missed in the preseason. So 34 games played, 5.2 points per game, 5.4 rebounds, 1.1 assists, and then the defensive numbers, 2.4 blocks per game. Really good numbers on the defensive end for Derek Lively the second, And I think that was definitely the calling card that we saw for the big fellow was knowing that he was going to be an elite rim protector in the middle for Duke. Absolutely. And you remember there for – 
I shouldn't say in the middle part of the season, but frankly, it felt like for most of the season where he would only score on dunks. Yeah. Like that's the only <laughs> way Derek Lively would score. Like if he laid it in, like it was a it was a big deal. And then he finally started to show that outside game that he showcased in college a lot, or in high school a lot, I should say, um, but really didn't show that that much at Duke. But yeah, as a rebounder, as a rim protector, that's where he shined. Once he realized how that he has a length and a size that he can block shots and contest shots without fouling, that was a big revelation to him and I think that's going to be where he kind of sits um in the NBA level now obviously they're going to try and teach him some post moves and expand his game because he does have that shooting ability in his arsenal just really didn't get to unlock it at Duke but the 2.4 blocks per games are is what really stands out um when you look at Derek Lively's season as a whole and when we look at individual games for Lively the second, I think for everybody, the one that's going to come to mind first was that game uh, inside Cameron Indoor Stadium playing UNC. A big-time yeah. performance for Lively in that one. 14 rebounds, eight block shots. I mean, man, we're going to be talking about that game for many years to come. And that was really his coming-out party. I mean, he started to play better, but once that game rolled around, it was like, all right, Derek Lively, the number one overall recruit in high school basketball, is here. Like, he's healthy. He's caught up to the speed of the game. Like, this is the guy we expected to see. And, like, you got to remember, like, he didn't do that against a, a bunch of schmucks. Like, he did that against <laughs> a, a veteran backcourt and one of the best players in the country, and Armando Baycott, um, Peter Nance as well, who was a pr- proven transfer coming from Northwestern. So, like, he didn't he didn't post a 14-rebound, eight-block game against – Jacksonville State or, or or somebody like that. He he did it against North Carolina at the biggest stage um, of Duke's season in a game that I mean, let's be honest, both teams really needed at that point to try and solidify their NCAA tournament resume. Obviously, Duke goes on to win whatever it was, twelve straight at the end of the year, and Carolina misses the NCAA tournament. Um, but yeah, that was that was a big turning point in Duke's season. Defense was the big calling card for Derek Lively, the second, and uh, something that we will absolutely remember. Uh, very impressed with the year that he had. I think um, in big picture, you would have loved to see a little bit more on the offensive game. Uh, but given the looks that Duke had, given their, um, you know, Kyle Filipowski being the primary shot taker for the Stoop team and the guards creating for themselves, if there weren't lob opportunities for Lively, as we're saying, there just really weren't many offensive chances for him to make that big of an impact. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, and it also brings an issue that Duke faced early in the season where the spacing was really bad. Like, there was no spacing out there on the floor when Filipowski was struggling with his three-point shot, and then you have him and Lively just clogging up space down low, and that eliminates driving lanes for Tyrese Proctor and Jeremy Roach. You also have Mark Mitchell in that five who – really wasn't perimeter-oriented unless it felt like it was coming from that corner three-point shot. So, like, you had three big guys that are all, what, six, eight, and, and taller, yeah. clogging, clogging up things below the free-throw line, and the spacing was really off. But um, once John Shire – and, again, he, he was going through growing pains as well. He was able to figure that out a little bit. The scoring, the offense was still an issue this year. Ultimately, um, their downfall that got them eliminated from the NCAA tournament. Um, but, yeah, the, it was – you would have liked to see a little bit more offense – um, from Derek Lively, but all in all, I think um, probably a solid uh, B, B-plus season. Let's talk about Derek Whitehead, the year that he had for the Duke Blue Devils after his freshman season. Whitehead joining Lively the second as players to declare for the 2023 NBA draft, and we'll have that conversation after our first time out here on today's show. 
Lockdown Blue Devils is brought to you by our friends over at FanDuel. Make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs because right now, new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. A lot of big-time playoff series taking place. Tonight, we've got a big one with the Lakers and Warriors. Game one of the Western Conference semifinals and all the best bets are at FanDuel. There's no better place to get in on the playoff action than America's number one sportsbook. Go to FanDuel.com slash locked on and get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Moving forward here on today's episode of Locked On Blue Devils, JJ Jackson alongside my pal Kevin Connolly, the site expert for Ball Durham, balldurham.com. I put that in my URL, Kevin. What am I going to find? You're going to find everything on Duke Athletics that you could possibly need. Um, we cover, obviously, the teams there. We cover Duke and the pros, um, recruiting. We, we got it all, obviously, now in terms of Duke basketball. Uh, we're still surveying that transfer portal, but it's a lot of recruiting news. Um, Cameron Boozer is going crazy. Dylan Harper. Obviously, Duke just got the commit um, from Isaiah Evans. Um, obviously, Cooper Flagg. I, I can I can name the entire list yeah, of players. No off the, we, got a, we got a lot of recruiting news coming up with uh, EYBL and Peace Jam coming up in a couple of months. Um, obviously, NBA playoffs, as you were just mentioning, and uh, Duke football season right around the corner as well. And I shouldn't fail to mention the baseball team, top 10 in the country. So uh, we got a, lot of, got a lot of Duke sports to cover here um, as we begin May. And you do such a good job of doing that. Yeah, massive series win for Chris Pollard's team out there on the diamond going on the road to Virginia this past weekend, and the Blue Devils taking two of three games. Congratulations to the Duke men's lacrosse team who won yep. the ACC championship. They are currently number one in the entire country as we get closer to the NCAA tournament. Uh, a few days ago, we were able to have our buddy Drew Carter from the ACC Network and ESPN, a big lacrosse play-by-play announcer uh, who also was on the play-by-play for the spring game. Uh, to talk about the Blue Devils, so go check all of that out here on Locked On Blue Devils. All right, so talking about the year that was for Dariq Whitehead, same question we always start with. Big picture, what did you think of Whitehead's season for the Blue Devils? It, this was peaks and valleys, peaks and valleys, peaks and valleys. Um, <laughs> Another as, roller coaster. <laughs> yeah, as, as you and your listeners know, I was the captain of the Dariq Whitehead bandwagon um, ever since he committed to Duke. Um, I've seen saw him in high school a bunch of times. I mean, this kid is big time and he didn't get to show it really at Duke consistently. Um, the broken foot in August set him back right off the bat. Um, missed few games came back in, uh, but he came just, he came back just shy of the Phil Knight invitational. Um, and then you could tell, I mean, when you're out so long with a broken foot, it, it, it takes a while to get that regain that trust and confidence in it that you can cut and pivot and, and do all these things in the right way. Um, then obviously we all know what happened at Virginia tech. Thankfully it wasn't what everybody feared because I think everyone who was watching that game immediately off the bat said he, he just ruptured his Achilles. Absolutely. Uh, especially when the camera showed him at the end of the game on crutches and the ice pack down, um, below his ankle, it, it didn't look good. So you, you missed time there, but once he came back, I mean, he played well when he had his opportunity, best three point shooter on the team, nearly shot 43%. Um, now, coming into the season, I think um, John Shire was counting on Dariq Whitehead to be a double-digit type scorer and someone that he could play 30 to 35 minutes per game. And we talked about it with Derek Lively. This Duke team was mi- missing that next punch offensively outside of 
uh, Jeremy Roach and Kyle Filipowski. And I think Derek Whitehead was supposed to be in that three-headed monster um, trying to shoulder the scoring load. And if he was able to perform at what many people had expected him coming into the season, I think you could be talking about a top 10, top 15 pick in June. But now it looks like he'll probably go at the back end of the first round. Yeah, Derek Whitehead, 28 games played for Duke, so 36 in the season. He missed eight opportunities to wear that Duke uniform this season, eight and a half points per game, two and a half rebounds, one assist, and as we mentioned, 42.9% shooting from three-point range. That was the biggest bright spot in so many ways for this Duke team who absolutely had their struggles throughout the year when it came to three-point shooting was knowing that Derek Whitehead, of all people, not some of the guards that they've got in the backcourt, not Jacob Grandison, who transfers in from Illinois and is known as a three-point shooter, but Whitehead turns into that marksman, that sniper from beyond the arc. I mean, it always felt like if he got a good look, it was going down. And to your point, having watched him in high school, knowing the highlight tapes that are out there and reviewing the season that was for him, I think a missed opportunity given the injuries and just the way this team was functioning together. And I think we'll see this potentially at the next level. Whitehead is really good with the ball in his hands and attacking the rim, putting it on the floor. And we just did not see that credit to him. However, as scouts start to look at his game now and they're able to see, Oh man, this guy really is a dead eye three point shooter with the year he had in college. Yeah. And one thing I do want to say as well, um, I, I can't speak on other programs, but certainly um, with the Duke program, like it, it, it comes off as maybe cliche, but like Derek Whitehead loved Duke. Like he loved being a part of the Duke basketball team. Like he easily could have mounted in, especially after the injury at Virginia tech and said like, I'm good. Like I'm getting ready for the draft. Like Great I don't point. like, he didn't need to be back out there and, and continuing um, to fight for this team. He easily could have mailed it in and be like, no, like I have my NBA goals on my mind. Like I'm out like, and you could even tell that um, in, in the locker room after the game, when they lost to Tennessee, like he knew that was his last game um, with Duke. He knew it was like all the injuries that he, he knew he didn't get to showcase the type of player he really is on a consistent basis. And, and, and you saw that with the tears in his eyes after the season came to an end, but like, it, again, it could come off as cliche ish, but like, this is a kid that, really just loved being a part of the Duke basketball team, gave everything he possibly had to this Blue Devil team. Um, and it it came out as a reward as an ACC tournament champion. Yeah, and look, if we talk about Whitehead and Lively on today's show. We're really excited to see what they can do at the next level. Uh, I do agree with you. I think both those guys are going to be repping the brotherhood for many, many, many years to come for the rest of their lives, truthfully, uh, being a part of that Duke basketball fraternity. So let's talk a little bit about what they can bring to the next level and wrap up our conversation here today on Locked On Blue Devils. A special message goes out to our everydayers. If you're one of my everydayers here at Locked On Blue Devils, let me know in the comment section below. I want to give you some love for being a part of Locked On Blue Devils each and every day and making us your first listen. Coming up on tomorrow's show, really excited to continue the end-of-year season reviews. How about those transfers? How about someone like Ryan Young, and Jacob Grandison. We dive into their seasons coming up on tomorrow's show. Make sure you also check out Locked On College Basketball. What a terrific show this one is with our good buddies Isaac Shade and Andy Patton. They do a remarkable job keeping you up to date on all the biggest news and stories 
in the world of college basketball. The transfer portal is going off like crazy. Hunter Dickinson, one of the top transfer targets in the entire country from Michigan, set to make his decision here soon. They're covering all that and so much more on Locked On Blue Devils. Check that out right after this. Winding down today's episode of Locked On Blue Devils, J.J. Jackson alongside my pal, Kevin Connolly, the site expert for Ball Durham. Here we are, Kevin, talking about the end-of-year reviews for these Duke basketball players. But I mentioned the transfer portal. We're in May now. We're nine days away from the portal being done for players needing to have their names in there, and it's becoming more and more clear potential options that will be available for John Shire and his staff as they look to fill out next year's roster. Absolutely, and also look to that NBA draft um, group of players that didn't get invites. I believe G League and and NBA Combine invites went out um, either earlier this week or they're going to be coming out the remainder of this week if they're not already. And players that don't get an invite to the NBA Combine or even the G League Combine, like it probably is in their best interest to head back to school and they're probably going to jump in the transfer portal. So I think there this could be a very, very busy week um, for transfer portal names. Um, that maybe you did not think of uh, last week that you're going to have your name, uh, your eye on uh, in the next 10 days or so. Yeah, just rim protectors is what Duke is certainly looking for. Just saw one this past year uh, that Duke took on the last two years in the NCAA tournament, one coming out today, Connor Vanover, who was at Arkansas when Duke took on the Hogs there in their final four run. And then Duke just played seven foot five Connor Vanover at Oral Roberts in the NCAA tournament this past season. That's a name, to our point, that has now entered into the transfer portal. So more of those defensive targets are coming into the fold. A lot of focus right now, of course, on uh, Caden Chedrick was the big name that Duke would, was linked to be pursuing there at Virginia. Ultimately, he commits to Texas, but there are going to be more options out there for sure. Yeah, absolutely. There, there, there's names um, that are going to emerge over the next 10 days um, that John Shire is well aware of. All right, so NBA draft, though, as we're talking here, Jeremy Roach still currently in the NBA draft process. We're not even going to take a stab at whether or not he's returning for this Duke squad. I do want to talk, however, about Derek Lively II and Derek Whitehead. What's their fit at the next level, Kevin? Well, you know, it's pretty funny. I was thinking about this um, earlier today, and I, I think a good example of it is uh, Kavon Looney of the Golden State Warriors. Like, I think that could be a, a, a kind of a – comparison for Derek Lively like sure. player that's he's not going to score that much but he's going to rebound he's going to alter shots at the rim he's going to be a good defender and I think Derek Lively can be a contributor on a um, NBA playoff team right away um, so I, I could see him probably going like that mid to late first round I think he's probably going to be the first Duke player off the board just because of his pure size and defensive potential that NBA teams will salivate over um, for Derek Whitehead I think probably because of his struggles this year. And I say struggles, meaning um, inconsistencies because of the injuries. Um, I think he's probably going to be a more back end of the first round type player. But I think any team that takes him is going to get an absolute steal because of just his pure basketball ability and IQ that he wasn't able to demonstrate um, in his one season at Duke. Yeah, I certainly agree with you. I think that they're going to be able to obviously make an impact. I like the Looney comparison there uh, for Lively. There's a Duke guy, you know, that's in the league right now, and Mason Plumley, who is not yeah. known for his offensive game whatsoever, but continues to have a job year in and year out because he rebounds, he hustles, he defends. Uh, if you can do those little things, there's still a spot for you. And and Kevin, as we talk about the combine 
and the measurables that take place, Lively is going to be able to promote the fact that he is, in fact, a seven-footer, right? Like, size will absolutely translate into the next level. That's something that's going for him, no doubt. Yeah, I don't have the list of players in front of me, but, I mean, he'll be invited to the the NBA Combine, um, and I would imagine he has to be number one, if not top three, in terms of wingspan that they measure at the Combine. I mean, um, I, I forget what they have have officially said when he was at Duke, what his wingspan was, but, I mean, if you stand at 7-1, you at least got to have, a what, a 7-5 wingspan, if, if not yeah. greater. So he's going to be number one, if not uh, top three, top five, in terms of wingspans measured at the Combine. Um, later this month. No doubt about that. Yeah, I think a lot of people are curious what that uh, Victor Wimbignana um, wingspan would look like. And then uh, let's put Lively right up there as well as we take a look at the draft coming up for sure. So, uh, and then finally, you mentioned it briefly just a moment ago, but any other big thoughts that you're having about Dariq Whitehead? We talked about it earlier, but I really think when you look at the next level, his three-point shooting absolutely helped him out this season because, yes, we're used to, uh, you know, before Duke, see him put the ball on the floor so frequently and attack the rim. And now all he's doing is helping his stock himself by being able to be such an effective outside shooter. Yeah. That's what you probably see his immediate impact being in the NBA before he gets a tighter handle um, and develops his athleticism and size and speed and quickness is if he's going to want to be a contributor to a team on day one, it's going to be because of that three point shooting. No doubt. Um, but again, I, I still think he's going to like, even look like Gary Trent jr. Takes him a year or two, gets his feet under him, gets some coaching at the professional level, and then he re- he's ready to take off um, and be a key player on, on a playoff team. So I think Dariq Whitehead's going to be one of those players as well where he might be able to contribute day one because of his shooting, but year two, year three, he's going to be an all-around player because also he's a really good defender as well. That didn't get talked about as much this season. Kevin, it's always great to talk Duke basketball with you. We'll do it again sometime soon. Give me one more plug for Ball Durham, if you will. They could follow us on Twitter at ball underscore Durham, and then you could real, read all of our stuff at uh, balldurham.com. So appreciate appreciate you having me, JJ. Can't wait to talk soon. Absolutely, and follow Kevin on Twitter at kevinconnolly24. All right, that's going to do it for today's show. Thanks so much for your support, as always. Again, coming up tomorrow, end of year reviews for Ryan Young and Jacob Grandison. Really excited to talk about the transfers that made an impact on Duke basketball this season. Follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Blue Devils. You can follow me on Twitter at underscore JJ underscore Jackson underscore. Be sure to follow and subscribe to our podcast for free wherever you get them. Hit that subscribe button on our YouTube channel as well. That's going to do it for today's show. As always, go do. I'll talk to you tomorrow. My name is JJ Jackson. Thank you and good day.